Welcome to the ISA Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Experts, caring for America's trees since 1907. This podcast series offers full-length educational talks by the world's top researchers, educators, and practitioners, helping to keep you up-to-date with developments in the arboriculture industry. My name is Tom Smiley, and I'm at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory, bringing you today's talk, which is by Arnie Matson on species diversity reducing the impact of emerging diseases. It was originally presented at the 2015 ISA International Conference in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for coming, everyone. Uh, we will uh, keep on time so that you will get your lunch. I know that we are the only thing really standing behind you in the lunches. Uh, me and Anna will uh, uh, talk about the, tree, the development of the city and also how we're working with species diversity and foremost, actually, the cooperation between the university and the municipalities. The presentation is already now available through my Dropbox, and you will get a link to that in the last slide, and I will make sure it's open uh, when we have the Q&A. Uh, but Anna will start and introduce the city of Malmö, and then I will do some more talk about the cooperation. Malmö is the third largest city in Sweden, and is situated in northern Europe, very close to Copenhagen in Denmark. Sweden is a long, narrow country with great temperature differences, particularly in winter. The most northerly parts lie north of the Arctic Circle with midnight sun and daily round, daylight round the clock for a few short summer months. Malmö, with just over 300,000 inhabitants, is the growth center in Ersund region. The population has increased steadily in the past 25 years. The current population includes people from um, 174 nationalities, with more than 100 languages. The population is relatively young, and um, 28 of the residents were born outside Sweden. Öresund is one of the most expansive regions in Europe, and consists of uh, Scania, Skåne, and parts of Denmark with around 3.6 million inhabitants. Malmö is known as the city of parks, for example, Pilansparken, and in English, Willow Dam Park, which was established in the middle of 1920s. Pilansparken is built in the classic style with axes, lines of sights, and in the center, a large open space for various activities. Another well-known park is Bultofta, which is built on a deserted airfield and comprises a large recreation park covering 75 hectares that is managed according to ecological principles with horse-drawn mowing and cattle grazing. <coughs> large number of different trees are an important component in green Malmö. <coughs> Malmö stations, uh, Hylje Station Square 
is a newly built space with 30 beaches planted in more than 2,000 square meters of structural soil. Meeting places with trees and other decorative features provide an attractive environment for Malmö residents. With a large proportion of young people, it is important to have different activities at a number of sites in Malmö. The trees in parks and green areas play a major role and increase the opportunities for activities. <coughs> different musical arrangements are an important future of life in Malmö. For example, Big Slap in the middle of Pilansparken, in this area framed by large beech trees. Malmö Festival has been running for more than 30 years and is a major music and food festival with free entry to all music events. Renovation of the old shipyard area, Western Harbour, with a Calatrava's turning torso building in the background, a popular residential area close to, the bo to both the city and the sea. Since the year 2000, there has been a road and rail connection between Copenhagen and Malmö. There are eight kilometers of bridge, four kilometers of tunnel, and four kilometers of artificial land. Malmö has long been a typical industrial city with a large number of factories and major shipyard. Green areas and trees have always been an important component of its recreation facilities. The shipyard closed at the end of the 1900s, and uh, uh, Malmö has since undergone a major transformation to become a city of knowledge with a university and a research institute. This showed the shipyard when it was in full operation during the 1970s. The shipyard site has become Vesta, Western Harbour, an attractive residential area close to the sea. Many of the houses have green roofs, but in certain parts of there are few trees. In the past 25 years, Malmö has changed from being a dull, grey industrial city into one of Northern's Euro Northern Europe's uh, most attractive cities. The city of Malmö has won many prizes for its development work. Malmö gives the impression of being a green city with large green areas, many trees, and a three-kilometer-long sandy beach within walking distance of the city centre. A dense network of cycle paths make it easy to travel through the compact city. It also has a great number of attractive restaurants. In Malmö, there are almost as many trees as there are people. Most growing on private land. The trees managed by the streets and park departments comprises around 30,000 street trees and around 35,000 park trees. The first inventory of trees managed by the streets and parks department was carried out in the 1990s. This inventory only recorded four parameters, species, planting year, vitality, and crown diameter. In the re-inventory of street trees just being completed, these existing parameters have been updated. In addition, the inventory has been complemented by observation of damage to crown and trunk, the growing site, and a risk assessment. New trees are continu 
continually being planted in recently built areas and in existing, existing environments. Around 1,200 new trees are planted every year, uh, an increase of around 2% per year. Around 100 trees are removed every year because of disease or some form of damage to the tree. The size of new trees used has increased in recent years, and the street trees planted now are seldom less than 25 to 30 centimeters in trunk circumferences. When Malmo uh, was first hit by Dutch elm disease in 1984, we knew nothing about how to deal with it. We got in contact with the Swedish University of Agriculture Sciences and with English researchers who had experience of dealing with this disease. With their help, we developed a control program that functioned for 15 to 20 years. We also collaborated with neighboring towns to improve the effectiveness of their program. However, the control program was terminated in 2004, by which time Dutch elm disease had gained the upper hand and nearly all the elms in the city has, had disappeared. During that period, over 40,000 elms were removed from public and private land in Malmö. An example of a street with elms suffering from Dutch elm disease. All these trees were removed and replaced with tulip trees. Uh, just played, uh, planted four years ago. What we learned from the ravages of Dutch elm disease was that we have to think along new lines all the time and plan to avoid being the equally hard by future diseases. The inventory of all the trees managed by the Trees and Parks Department was an important consequence. It is important to keep a check on the trees we have and the state of health. We saw clearly how Dutch elm disease killed off our elms. When this disease struck, 25% of all street trees were elms. In our future work, species diversity is an important part of planning the future tree population in Malmö. When Dutch elm disease arrived, we had perhaps 150 different species and varieties, but a few dominant species. Today we have over 500 different species and varieties varieties and a better distribution of species diversity. You, and you will notice sort of a trend here that Anne gets all of the nice and pretty pictures and I will get all of the scientific boring stuff. Uh, so bear with me when I explain all of those. Uh, so Arne gave me this one to explain and that's actually part of one of my research articles that me and some colleagues did. So what we did was basically to collect tree inventory data from 10 Nordic cities, the largest cities, and just saw, okay, how is the species distribution? And what we could see then was more or less actually due to the Dutch elm disease and how heavily it hit Malmö, they actually had the best species distribution of all Nordic cities. And what you see here is uh, the species distribution has both park and street trees. And you can see the Sorbus ex intermedia that accounts for 9.1% of the total tree population. And that's, of course, the highest one. And then you can see them uh, in a lower scale here. 
And of course, this is also in comparison with the classical 10, 20, 30 rules that says that new uh, species should uh, take up more than 10% of total population. And another thing that I think is really interesting here is also to look at the others. Uh, and those are uh, the species that are a lower percentages than 2% of total population. And here you have a lot of species, and all of those species that Arne has been talking about here, that he's been planting all over the city, those comprises of those, the, the other ones. Uh, that, of course, can be used to a larger extent as well. So here we have the resource that could be used. And just a quick, quick comparison. One of the cities that we collected data from, they actually had 42% of Telias, or actually 44, sorry, 44% of the total tree population was only Telia Europea. So that's one specific. So back to the nice pictures again. <laughs> Some new challenges for Malmö. Climate change has predicted to result in Malmö experiencing hotter periods and more intensive rain events. In addition to this, Malmö will become denser in the next 15 years with an additional 100,000 people on the same area. On the last of August last year, more than 100 millimeters of rain fell on in two hours and large areas of Malmö were flooded. Work is now underway uh, on a plan to re prepare the city for coping with the future ra large rainfall, amounts uh, which we uh, know will come. This involves handling stormwater and finding places where we can permit flooding. Malmö has decided to grow within its existing built-up area. On the same area in which around 300,000 people live today, there will be 400,000 residents by 2030. And at the same time, the city must be greener. How can we achieve this? <laughs> Over to you. Over to you. Okay, so now I'll take over. I actually got oh, a couple nice of good picture. pictures as well. Uh, so one of the problems as well that we're facing is, of course, the increase in temperature. And because we're quite a cold country up in the north, we don't have that many species to choose from, especially compared to the U.S. Uh, so our native species really aren't adapted to coping with this increase in temperature. And Cecil actually got a question before in the morning about the use of exotic species. And for us, it's actually no choice because we cannot use only native species because then I would say we only have four or five different ones that we can use in our city and thereby we will be extremely susceptible to different kinds of diseases. Another thing, and now I'm not talking about trees, but actually human beings as well that lives in the city, is that an increase in temperature will increase the amount of deaths. Uh, and the thing is that it's not that high of a temperature. If the mean temperature day and night is about 12 degrees centigrade, actually we can see an increase in death. And that's not much at all. Of course, Swedes aren't really used to the warm temperature, so probably a bit more susceptible. But still, this is something that we need to think about. Actually, it's a, it's a question of uh, human health as well. Oh, thank you. Another thing that we need to think about, and this is something that just comes up all of the time in these talks, and that's the threat of diseases. And I'll just mention a couple of them. And these are not diseases that could affect us. It's actually diseases that already are in the city of Malmö and are affecting the urban trees and the urban forestry. So one example here is the bleeding cranker disease on horse chestnuts. And that is uh, at risk of affecting around 4.3% of the total tree population. 
it's not a huge amount of trees, but still it is actually 4%, over 4% of the population. Another one is ash dieback. We don't have uh, the amber ash borer. We have the other one instead, the, uh, the ash dieback. Uh, so that's eff currently affecting our trees really, really much. And what we can see is that 3% of the total population is at risk here. Another one, and this is a huge risk for us, is different kinds of phytophthora coming in. Uh, and this is just one example of one phytophthora, actually two phytophthora, that is currently affecting our beech trees. And that is around 4.3% of the total population. And if you just add these up, we can see that, okay, we're now at 11.6% of the total tree population. And that's just a couple of diseases that already exist here. And again, maybe 4.3% of the total population. It doesn't sound that much. But if you look at how they are distributed, and this map, it's actually much better on my piece, I would say, so it's a bit bright here. But it's actually two whole parks. So the park that Arne was showing you with all the people in the center, you had the open space, that is more or less only beech trees. So we're actually at risk of losing this whole green space, this whole huge park in the central part of Malmö. And that's just because 4% of the population is beech trees. And you also have another park up in the north, uh, northeastern part as well. So we have to think about how we're distributing the species, not only look at the numbers and say, okay, we have a good species distribution. Yeah, but where is the species? Where are they actually planted? So all of these new challenges, you have the temperature, you have stormwater, you have different diseases, you have the densification, that really demands a new cooperation or even a better cooperation. And that's what I will focus my talk about, is the cooperation between the city of Malmö and the, city, the Swedish Agriculture University and how we've been part of this whole transformation that Malmö has experienced from this old, dull, industry, shipping industry, to a greener city where you actually use urban forestry as a way of promoting the city. So just a quick map here. Uh, I'm not sure if you see the pointer, but here is the Agriculture University, here is Malmö, here is Copenhagen. It's literally 20 minutes by bike ride or five minutes in a car to get to the university. So it's extremely close by, extremely close by. Uh, quick something about the Swedish Agriculture University, you know something, some take-home messages uh, that we are really leading when it comes to nature and health, urban forestry, green space management, landscape management assessment. And we're actually Europe's largest group of people that is working with landscape research. Uh, so around 150 people uh, distributed around Sweden, but with the main campus in Alnap, just close by, uh, by the city of Malmö. And when I say that the city of Malmö and SLU have a cooperation, this is just some of the products that's been going on the last couple of years, and that's just a couple of them. So all of the smallest stuff, that's probably in English, most of it, but you have the headlines of them. So we're working with sustainable cities, health and recreation, city farming, different kinds of competitions to get uh, other people involved. We're also working with city greenery, management, actually sound in the landscape as well, how uh, the landscape are affecting sounds, and different kinds of uh, conference and applications. Uh, so we have a lot of applications going on to research institutions and so on. So we have a tremendous a lot of cooperation between the university and the city of Malmö, which is very much beneficial for both of us, I would say. So just to mention three examples of different projects that have been going on and are ongoing between the Agriculture University and SLU, uh, sorry, with the University and the City of Malmö. So blue-green solutions, uh, biodiversity, and uh, economic valuation of urban trees. 
So first of all, blue-green solutions, and that is a way of coping with the challenge we're expecting when it comes to stormwater management and also the dense city. Uh, so we want a green, dense city that can cope with stormwater. And one of the solutions here is actually to use structural soils. So what we do with the structural soils is leading stormwater into the structural soils from the roofs, from the streets, and thereby actually getting rid of them, uh, rid of the water so it doesn't uh, come to the uh, treatment plants. And of course, this is really good for the trees as well. The trees are getting better rooting environments, they're getting more stormwater, they're getting more nutrition as well. Uh, so you can see that the trees really are thriving in these new structural soils. And of course, we're also working with uh, species selection. What are the really good species to use in these structural soils so that we can fit them with the right, play, uh, right tree for the right soils? Uh, I have a link here to a report, and you will see that link last as well. And if you just download the presentation, you can easily find it. Uh, and it's in English. There are blueprints, everything, if you're more interested in these solutions. We also have a project called Biodiversity. Uh, and that's actually the name of it in Swedish as well. <laughs> So what we're working here with here is to find new species to use in the urban environment. Because, as I said, it's denser, it's harder, it's warmer. We're getting uh, more uh, stress from stormwater and so on and so forth. So it's not only trees, it's also other plants. So we're working with shrubs, we're working with perennials and seeing, okay, how can we fit those into the urban environment and make them thrive? Uh, and we have a large ongoing project, and that's actually my colleague, Henry Kroeman, who's working with us, to collect plants from all over the globe, getting them to Sweden and seeing, okay, how do they perform in the more stressed environment? So we actually have this picture you see uh, up on the right. That is just one out of four fields that he's just filled up with different kinds of species that he's collected all over the world. And he's actually doing a postdoc right now here in the U.S. as well. Uh, and we also work with what we call mobile greenery as to how do we get uh, trees, plants, shrubs into environments that are planned to be built in the near future, but we still want some greenery. Instead of having these quite abandoned uh, places, we try to get the mobile greenery in and then we can move it out and move them to other places as well. So it's an interesting project, I would say. And also, of course, green roofs and green walls. And you have, I think it's one of North Europe's largest green roofs here. And that's on top of a large shopping mall. So it's more like a meadow than it is a green roof. And it's accessible from the outside. So you don't have to go through the shopping mall. You can actually go on the outside as well. And that was actually one of the criteria to get a building permit, is to create a green roof and with accessibility for the public. You also have economic valuation of urban trees. And that's part of an article that uh, will soon be published in uh, let's see, uh, Arboriculture and Urban Forestry. Uh, and the reason that we developed this new model was to be able to protect the trees in a better manner. So we, there exists, of course, a lot of different economic valuation models. But we wanted something that would work with the Swedish conditions, Swedish courts, and so on. So that's why we developed a new one together with the city of Malmö. And that was partly to protect trees during construction. We needed the fines to be high enough so that people would actually preserve the trees because all of these densification that Arne was telling you about, they of course need to have good protection of the trees. Otherwise, we will lose a lot of green spaces within this uh, densification. And also protection uh, of trees uh, from illegal cuttings. Quite a lot of private persons is getting their chainsaws out there and poisoning the trees and so on just to get a better view. And this is just one example 
where a person had more or less created a ski slope just to get a better view of the ocean and thereby raising the property. Of course, we need to have a good economic valuation model that work with Swedish courts and thereby can uh, give a hefty fine at least. So I, I promise you some kind of cooperation model, and as you see here, I've said, it's one example of a model. And what usually happens, I would say, as a researcher, is that researcher, we work together with international networks, then we try to find some kind of solution and things, and then we try to get it down to the municipalities and get it out to the park staff. So the park staff is really the last one to get, uh, get the information out there when it's disseminated. So uh, just to have this example and maybe to get a fresh view. Sorry, yeah. SLU. SLU. Oh, sorry. Uh, Swedish Agricultural University. Sorry, yeah. I should have written that out. <laughs> it's just so long of a name. Uh, so that's more or less a university. So what I want to do is just flip that around and look at how can we work with the park staff as the first means of getting the information, and they're actually the ones providing information that is later on used by the Zipper Arbors, the SLU, Swedish Agricultural University, and then the international network. And this is actually based on a real-life example from the city of Malmö as well. So uh, really short, you have the park staff that is the main source of information in this cooperation model. Then we have the superiors, supervisors. I've said the wrong thing all over, <laughs> so you'll probably be hearing that wrong saying the whole time. So the supervisors, not the superiors, supervisors. You have the city arbors or municipal arbors. I know different terms are being used. You have uh, the Swedish Agriculture University, that international network. And then, of course, we we're hoping to get some kind of solution and also the dissemination, the reports that goes back to the, uh, to the office. So when it comes to park staff, it's really important to take them seriously because they have a profound knowledge about the green spaces. They know what's going on. They can see the problems usually a couple of years ahead. They probably notice that trees are declining in certain areas. So it's really important that we listen to, to them, take their knowledge seriously, and try to get, them, uh, get that information to the right person. The next one is the supervisors. And uh, their main, reason, uh, main, main uh, work here, I would say, is to collect information. Collect information from the park staff, get that to the city arbors. And they are incredibly important as gatekeepers. And what we actually seen in a couple of places is that the supervisors haven't really listened to the park staff, so quite a lot of knowledge just gets stuck there and haven't gone through to the whole, uh, the whole organization. They just thought that, okay, the park staff is just complaining, they see something, but I don't believe them. Uh, so quite a lot of times, actually, information gets stuck there. So it's really important to have them on board as well to get them to realize how important that is that they get the knowledge out to the city arbors and thereby to the universities as well. So the municipal arborist, Arne. <laughs> uh, it's important for the city arborist or the municipal arborist to think about, can I actually handle this? Is the problem that I've heard about, is it something that is well known to me? Uh, yeah, of course, then I can just handle it by myself. But it's also important to have that inner knowledge, is, is, is this something that I need help with? So uh, I would say in this model, the municipal or city arbors, their most important thing is having the connection. Connection with other cities and also the connection to the universities. Because we're getting a lot of information from Arne and city arbors all around Scandinavia. And quite a lot of my research projects have actually started in this way. That the park staff or the uh, supervisors, they see something, report that to the municipal arbors, and then I get a proposition, okay, should we do a joint research project here? So it's really an important part. 
SDU, as I already said, one of Europe's largest research, when, research group when it comes to landscape. And we also, of course, uh, do our own research. But I would say that the most important thing for us as a university is the next thing, and that's the networking. We have a network with other municipalities and research groups all over the world. And of course, we attend quite a lot of conferences. For example, this conference over here. Uh, getting information, okay, what's going on here? Okay, how are the US working uh, to solve these different issues? And also getting new research projects going. And I, of course, have more or less like a backpack of different issues that I've heard uh, municipal arborists complain about. And I thought, okay, maybe I can do something here. Maybe I can rig a new project. Maybe we can find a joint, uh, joint solution to it. And what I've seen also is that these problems that I hear about is quite widely, uh, quite wide that they are existing in all over the world. We have the same problems with densification, heat island effects, stormwater management, and so on. Uh, so I think that we can gain a lot from collaboration here. Uh, when it then comes to like the uh, solution and or further research, and to, to be honest, it's usually further research when it comes to us researchers. Uh, but we hope to get like sort of a halfway solution or getting into the right direction. Uh, and we can also rig for new projects. See, okay, we solved this, but now we have something else that we can work on, do new collaborations as well. Uh, and of course, it's important to get the report out to the municipal again so that they can see, okay, how does this work for my organization? Maybe what you're proposing doesn't really work in the fashion that we thought. Uh, our organization looks different. We need to adjust it. And sometimes, actually, we need to do further research. We say, okay, we researched a thought that we had a good solution, but once, once out there in the reality, once out there in the municipality, you can see, okay, but it doesn't really work. We need to do something else here. And also, we can start up new projects. So uh, just to put this into a context, extremely clear example of how it happened in the real world in the city of Malmö. Uh, as I told you before, we have the photophora infection affecting the beech trees. And this is the Pidlands uh, Park, or the Willow Dam Park, if you translate it literally from Swedish to English. Uh, and you have the photographers. And the beaches all around the park are literally dying before our eyes. So this is one picture, uh, and it's taken inside this cutting here, and you can see here that the trees are just dying off because of this photophora infection. And what happened here was the park staff discovered the problem first. They saw that something was wrong, the beaches were dying all over the place, and the reported it to the city arborist, and just between me and you, they didn't listen at all. It took a couple of years, actually, before they did something, but that's just between you and me. Uh, so if they were to have listened directly, maybe we had started a project three, four years ahead of time. Uh, so the city arborists didn't really understand what was happening once they realized, okay, it is a problem. There is something going on there. So uh, SLU, the Swedish Agriculture University, we did a diagnosis and saw, okay, this is some kind of photophora, but we weren't sure, okay, how do we deal with this? How can we actually deal with the photophora infection in this large scale? So we used our network and uh, got in connection with other people all around the world and managed to get a report out there saying, okay, this is how we think you should uh, treat it, and this is also how serious the problem is. Uh, and what did the city of Malmö do? Uh, we didn't think that the researchers are actually over-exaggerating. Uh, so Arne and his team, he, they really kept their cool, and I think this was a really good thing, because what happened later on was they got even more experts in, got a second opinion, and got more knowledge about the situation. So not only depending on one single view, it's more, okay, they say something, okay, how, how does the bigger picture look? Okay, how can we treat this? 
And I think this was really good as well because we got a large project going. Yeah, sorry. Is this primarily a political situation? I don't know. You have to ask him over there. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh. yeah. that, was, that was the other question. Yeah. Politicians fit in your. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, I have, they're not involved in this. No. Okay. Not yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Yeah, so, so that, I would say, depends on the municipal municipality, uh, how they are actually rigged. So when it comes to the city of Malmö, Arne and the other city arborists, they, they are quite free, actually, to develop the city because city, urban forestry and the trees are so important in their branding so that the politicians trust them to do the right decision. But, of course, sometimes the politicians do get involved, but I would say this is more the larger scale. They won't get involved in one single action. And I think, Arne, you told me once that some, some people raised the question, okay, but uh, shouldn't we get international expertise for one of the politicians? And Arne just stood up and said, okay, I've contacted SLU who contacted this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, and we did this and this and that. What else do you think that we should do? And the people were just quiet. So I think Arne is treating them really, really good. Yeah, Arne is nodding, so I'm not lying. That's good. Uh, so it's, it's good, always good to have good information to get out there if you get asked a question. Okay, I thought you said something. So, uh, uh, we actually have an ongoing project now, and this is something that really caught the media's attention. So, what the, the city of Malmö is doing is actually using helicopters uh, to treat some of the park area with different kinds of nutrient solutions to more or less raise the immune system of the trees so they can better respond to the Phytophthora infections. And then other parts are getting other treatments as well. Uh, so, we're hoping to get some results during this or next year or something uh, to see, okay, what are the best methods? But I do know that uh, quite a lot of people in Malmö are crossing their fingers and hoping for the helicopter method because they thought it was so cool. And of course the media was there and filming and things as well. So here's on actually helping the pilot loading up but things as well. I don't think that you had no no. no. I think everyone um, I don't think that it was it was expensive but not extremely expensive and especially because it's this park. Everyone knows about this park. You can just imagine how the media reacted when it picked up on this. All of the trees in the park are going to die. Is it safe to go in the park? And of course, with the municipality then saying, okay, we have a good report, we're doing something, we're getting the best expertise in, and we're actually not uh, sparing any cost. We want to save the trees. So I think this was a positive thing in this sense. Yeah, you agree? Yep. <laughs> So me and Arne, just uh, over a couple of beers, uh, pointed out the list. What is the most important things about the cooperation in between the university and the city of Malmö? So the personal connection, that is always important. Uh, it must be on a personal basis that you know, okay, these persons are working with this and this action. And also, it's very long term. Uh, so, as I said, the Swedish Agriculture University have been working together with the municipality of Malmö for, ten, uh, for decades, I would say, uh, together growing, together changing, together experiencing things. Uh, and also that we have a mutual exchange uh, so that we're learning from each other. And the two next things, I think those are actually the key thing here. And that is that the researcher really need to see the practitioner's reality. Uh, 
we researchers quite often, not always, but quite often, we focus so much on scientific articles and our personal careers that we forget a bit about what we deliver to the practitioners. They need to have some kind of hard fact. They need to have a report, something to do. Uh, and also getting uh, more like the public, the, um, what's called, uh, the more popular science things out there. And it's also for the municipalities to see the research realities, that they know that, okay, I have this problem. How can we rig this in, into a research product so both of us can benefit? And that is something that is it's a learning curve, really, to know each other, okay, what are the driving forces here? Uh, we also need to see challenges, problems as opportunities for cooperation. So once we see that, okay, we have a huge problem here, not saying, okay, we're the, the urban forestry program are doomed. It's more, okay, how can we collaborate? How can we do a research project like this? I'm not sure how, how am I with time? You're close here. I'm close. Okay, that's good because this is actually my almost last slide. Five minutes, okay. Uh, I was looking for a watch over there, but I didn't yeah. see any. Uh, yeah, so see problems and challenges as opportunities. And I think we're, we're really close there. We're really working with that. And also to disseminate the information in the both organizations. This collaboration is not only me and Arne. You saw all of those projects that I showed you before. It's the whole university, more or less. It's the whole city of Malmö. The park department, the different kinds of uh, persons all over just finding collaboration. Uh, and most and most important, you have to dare to try and also dare to fail as well because not all of our projects have been successful. Some of them have for different reasons not succeeded. We haven't delivered what we, uh, the city of Malmö wanted and maybe we haven't gotten the information that we wanted. But that is part of the learning process. Now we know better how to collaborate. So uh, with that, uh, just our contact information, please send us an email, please contact us. We'll be happy to share information and uh, to send you links and things. And if you uh, don't manage to get the links, that is the last slide, uh, I will be happy to send you this presentation and all of it. So snap a couple of photos here. And the next one is the uh, references, and you can download the whole presentation. I know it's quite long, but that's how Dropbox does it. Thank you so much. Thank you. This concludes Arnie Matson's talk on species diversity and its impact on emerging diseases. To learn more, you can find additional materials at the ISA web store, including the book of insects that feed on trees and shrubs and diseases of trees and shrubs now in its second edition. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to this lecture, visit the ISA online store and select online CEU quizzes. Thank you for listening to this episode, which was brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country. Trees, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA.